We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me today Jeff Goodman. We were supposed to have John Henson with us, but he is currently sitting on a plane, on a tarmac, at one of those airports in New York City that you're never able to figure out your way. Uh, you always end up being delayed somehow. So that's where John Henson is right now. He probably won't be joining us. We're hoping maybe he can just kind of sign off from Uber or something. Maybe when we talk about North Carolina, no promises, no guarantees, no nothing. Uh, but I do have Jeff Goodman here with me. We have a lot to talk about. Kentucky came back. Kentucky is back from the dead. You know that under the Undertaker chief where the guy kind of went, whew, Pops back up. That's what Kentucky did today. Alabama, it's going to take a lot to convince me that Alabama is not the best team in the country as of this very moment. Clemson is all alone in first place in the ACC by two whole games. Nobody can tell Terrence Oglesby anything anymore. And TCU suddenly looks like one of the most dangerous teams in college basketball. We're going to get to all of that, Jeff. We have so much to talk about today, but we're going to start it off the way that we always start off these shows, and that is with our toasts of the night. One quick programming note before you go. We are expecting Marcus Carr any moment. We don't know when he's going to be showing up. Texas just survived. Texas Tech, he is at his press conference right now. So if you see anybody happen to hop into the call while we are live, it's probably Marcus Carr. Don't be worried. Don't be scared. Don't be nervous. Jeff, your toast of the night. John Calipari, my buddy. Cal, why not, right? I mean, I got a nice blue moon, light sky, citrus wheat for Cal tonight. Uh, if I was him, I'd be drinking about 10 of these because you deserve it. Uh, mm -hmm. I had him fired. A lot of people had him fired. A lot of people had Kentucky dead. And to, to get the win the way they did it, and we'll talk more at length about this later in the show, but down 8 nothing to start the game. At Tennessee, hostile environment. Uh, you're without Severe Wheeler. That may have helped, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, John Calipari, I'm toasting you tonight, buddy. Uh, hell of a win. Cheers to Cal. That really was a hell of a win. All right. 
I just spilled it all over myself. There you go. That's not surprising. You uh, you really did. You know, did you ever see the movie Airplane when the guy has the yes. drinking problem? Yes, that's I was you alive, right there. you know, when that was yeah. made. That's you, that's you right there. Um, I have a couple. Uh, I think we got to give a shout out to Dusty May and Florida Atlantic yeah. 16 and one top 15 in the net. Like they are awesome to uh, shout out to him right here. This for yeah. Dustin. Yeah. Shout out to uh, shout out to, to Mike White in Georgia 13 and four. They won yeah. at Ole Miss. They are three yeah. and one in the SEC. That man knows how to coach a basketball team. Maybe it didn't work out great at the end at Florida for him, but that man knows how to coach. Georgia is a fun team, uh, but my toast of the night is going to be a little bit different tonight. My toast is going to go out to Robert Jones and Norfolk State, who took one of the most soul-crushing losses that you're going to see uh, in a college basketball game. Hard-fought game, rivalry <laughs> game, playing Howard. Howard takes a lead late on a free throw. Norfolk State makes a layup to take an 84-83 to 83 lead with 1.2 seconds left on the clock. The bench gets too excited. They run on the baseline, not really on the court, but over to the guy that made the shot that was lying out of bounds underneath the basket. Uh, they were given a technical foul. Howard made the two free throws. Um, it's probably by the rule book, the right call. I hate that call with every fiber of my being. So uh, coach Jones, Robert, this, this goes out to you, man. I know you need a couple. I would, if that was me, I would have handled it a lot worse than you did today. So by the so way, Robert Jones, Norfolk state and to Howard for finding a way to get the win, man. From Gotta now give on, to one, toast of the night one now maybe two tonight because we lost Hanson, but not three i mean what is this no look look i you only gave one toast of the night, the night but i i wanted to shout out two guys because i know that we're probably not going to get to them because of this loaded slate all right um you know as i mentioned it was a loaded slate there were 152 games that you could bet on uh today at bet river you bet on all 152 no, I only bet on a couple. I actually had a really good day live betting. I, I was my my pregame picks were horrible. I went two and four today, but you know I made a, UCLA coming back and winning, Texas coming back and winning. Those those were those were nice little uh, nice little binks good. for me. So, um, but I, before we get into Kentucky, because I think Kentucky is like the story of the day. I want to ask you this, Jeff. If there was, what's the one thing that you learned? Like when you're when you go back and you look at this day, when you start looking at box scores tomorrow morning, what's the one thing where you're going to say, okay, I learned something about that team today? Well, I think it's I've continued to learn over the course of the season about this team. And I saw him play three times in Portland and and I was impressed by him, but I just wasn't sold on. Him. You know, sometimes again, and even with this this team and this program a year ago, uh, Iowa State, they started out so well in the non-conference. And then when league play started, what happened? Right. They, they kind of folded mm -hmm. and they barely got in the NCAA tournament, ended up going to Sweet 16. But. I, you know, I just didn't know what they would do. And, and they go out and in Portland, they beat Villanova, who stinks this year, in overtime. They beat Carolina, who doesn't look great now. But, you know, again, at that time, it was a hell of a win. And then they lose to UConn in, in a game that they weren't really in much of a game. But um, then they get blown out against Iowa, if you remember. They go to Iowa and get absolutely run against the Hawkeyes in that, you know, obviously rivalry game, but the last four or five games, they've been sensational, right? They beat Baylor at home. Um, then they beat TCU on the road the other night. Uh, that looks really weekend. impressive right in this moment. Awesome. Awesome win, right? Then they beat Texas Tech at home and they boat race Texas Tech, beat them by 30 plus. And then tonight they don't win in, in, in Fog Allen, 
but they're right there till the end. And and I know teams have done that lately. Three, you know, Kansas won its last three home games by a total of eight points. So I understand this Kansas team doesn't look unbeatable. They don't look like the number one team in the country right now. But Iowa State continuing to get better and prove that that the non-conference wasn't a fluke or or anything like that. And uh, Gabe Gabe Kasher has been really really good. He's starting to make shots consistently. He's, he's so important to what they do, Jeff. He is so. Uh, important I love their point do. guard. The, the the freshman, the local kid, Lipsy, has mm-hmm. been awesome. And uh, honestly, I'm watching Tyrese Hunter tonight. And, and Tyrese Hunter had that one game against Gonzaga that I was at where he made every shot. Since then, he's he's really good defensively, but he hasn't really made shots consistently. I actually think, like, Lipsy's been good. You know, like, obviously he's not as talented, but he's been very good for them. And and Holmes has been awesome. And O'Son's been solid. T.J. Otzenberger's Honestly, I mean, he's got to be in the mix for coach of the year right now. Uh, got to be in the mix. Has to be in the mix. I don't. Has I don't be. even think. I don't even think that I would call him the coach of the year in the Big Twelve in his own conference because there's a man named Jerome Tang there. But that's, that's not to take fair. anything away from the from the job it, that he's it done. TJ's been so quickly. It can yes. change so quickly. All I'm saying is, if I'm listing ten guys right now for coach of the year, he's you have to have TJ Otzelberger in the mix, even if you're going. Five. I'm not saying he wins it. I'm saying he's got to be in the equation. Yep, we, we all know we all know Goodman. He'll change it five times between. Games, I, I so, will, and it so. should change mm-hmm. five times. But, you know. It should. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So my the the biggest thing that I learned, and my my one biggest takeaway from from today's action is like, at what point do we just admit that Alabama is the most impressive team in college basketball right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they they, they beat. They yeah. beat LSU by 40 today. It was Dagan, our producer, Dagan Hughes, uh, dug up this stat. It was their third biggest win uh, in the SEC since 1950. They beat Mississippi State by 49 in 2005. They beat Auburn by 41 in 2005. They beat LSU by 40 today. That's coming off of a 15-point win at Arkansas. That's coming off of a 26-point win against Kentucky. That's coming off of a 22-point win against Mississippi State. Since they gave up 100 points to Gonzaga on December 17th, they have not given up more than a very nice 69 points to to Arkansas. Brandon Miller is playing unbelievably. They are a top 10 defense in all of college basketball. They shot 54 threes today. They were 20 for 54 from three. Believe it or not, Jeff, the last time, dating all the way back to 2010, there's only been one other high major game between two high major opponents where somebody shot more than 54 threes. That was Auburn against Alabama. Alabama lost 95 to 91 at Auburn back in February of 2020, right before the season was shut down. Um, they're, they they are absolutely 100% real. And the reason why is because we could talk about everything that they do offensively, all the threes that they shoot. That team guards their ass off. They got tough dudes and they got freshmen that don't act like freshmen. Yeah, and, and honestly, and they got upperclassmen like Javon Quinterly that have bought into their roles mm-hmm. and matured. Javon Quinterly never would have done this a couple of years ago, uh, but he's taking a back seat right now. Um frankly, to, to Jaden Bradley, which I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thought would happen. You know, when I saw him in Portland, Bradley was, you know, he'd gotten better, but he really started off slow as a highly recruited freshman. And I think JQ has been awesome. And Nate Oates told us the other night and told me again the other day, like several times this year, he's, he's asked Quinterly to go in the game. And Quinterly said, no, 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 coach, let's mm-hmm. stick with what we got out there. It's working. I'm okay. And uh, that's the sign. And 
And the other thing, I don't know how you felt about this, Rob. We haven't talked about it, but Brandon Miller the other night in the first half did not take a single shot from the field. And I'm telling you, that's the most impressive thing to me he will do all season. He had 22 mm-hmm. points tonight. LSU had 22 points at halftime as well. But not taking a shot, not shot hunting, not hanging his head, not yelling at his teammates in that first half the other night against Arkansas was the most mature. And I sat down with him for 45 minutes in Portland earlier this year. He, he's he's a fun kid. And all he did, and I don't think it was bullshit, all he did was talk about winning, winning, winning. Well, that's that's the thing about the team, the 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 2021 team, right? The best team that that Nate had at Alabama. What made them so good was part of it was the defense, right? Part of it was that you have a six, eight point guard in Herb Jones that can guard literally any position on the floor. Um, part of it was just the fact how switchable they were. They had a guy like John Petty buying and stuff. But the single biggest thing was that everybody on that roster cared about winning, cared about Alabama. Like, this is going to be the most cliche thing I'm ever going to do, but they cared about the name on the front of the jersey more than the name on the back of the jersey. And that's what this group is. And that's not what they were last season. No. And I'm not I'm not going to sit here and throw anybody on the bus or name names or anything like that. And, and certainly no one on that staff will. Um, but I, you can see that this season. There are guys that are making sacrifices. There are guys that are accepting roles. And when it comes to college basketball, honestly, when it comes to any walk of life, finding when you get a group of people together, people understanding what their job is, what their role is, and excelling in that role is the most important thing you can do. Which brings us to Kentucky. I think we can get into that again. We are still waiting on Marcus Carr. Uh, We're going to be getting him live as soon as Texas finishes up their press conference. Before we get into that, we'll talk a little UK, then we'll get into UK after we talk to Marcus Carr. So, Kentucky goes into Tennessee, finds himself down by eight points early in the game. I think everybody is like, man, they're they're about to get 40 piece, right? This is about to be the worst thing ever. And nope, Kentucky goes on a 33 to 18 run to come back in the second half. Tennessee throws another punch at the start of the second half. uh, And Kentucky has all of the answers, all of them, despite the fact that their starting point guard, Severe Wheeler, was not available. So, Jeff, I ask you this. Where does that rank in terms of like the most surprising outcomes, right? Because the I, how many times did we laugh about it this week, yeah. being like, hey, "Kentucky ain't beating Tennessee. That ain't happening. They're they're not going into Thompson Bowling Arena and beating the the best defense in college basketball. This Kentucky team that can't shoot. Come on." The only thing I'll say to that is, again, you look at it and, and you took a non-shooter off the court and you put another shooter on the court mm-hmm. who made shots early in CJ Frederick. So you threw out a lineup primarily in case Wallace was not a hundred percent and he was in foul trouble. So he got some minutes. I don't know how many he got 20, 25 minutes, whatever it was, but there were a lot of times when, when again, they might have case in CJ Frederick, Antonio Reeves out there. Um, they, they, they just didn't have more than two non shooters out there. Very yeah. Often. Jeff, let me, let me cut you off real quick. We'll get back to Kentucky. I believe that Marcus Carr is on his way in here. He has finished up his press conference. Uh, Marcus Carr, he had tonight, let me bring up the box score real quick, 20 points, six boards, three assists, seven for 18 from the floor, and just a single turnover. Marcus, you are live right now on the field of 68 after dark. What's going on, man? Congrats on the win. Hell of a win. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me as well. No, good. Good good seeing you as always. Uh, it's been about, uh, boy, I saw you the Gonzaga game. Right. And I'm sure that feels like years ago. <laughs> yeah. With yeah, everything no, that's happened in the program, Marcus. Oh, uh, yeah. 
what what is what does all this mean now? Because again, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought you'd go seven and one since Chris Beard was fired and Rodney Terry took over as the acting head coach. What what's this ride been like? Um, unprecedented to say the least. You know, obviously it's something that none of us have been through, but you know, I'm really just proud of my teammates as well as you know our whole entire staff for just the way that you know we've been able to handle it, and I feel like. You know, that's been a huge reason why we're able to still have some of the success that we have. We still have a lot to, a lot of work to do and, you know, still have to get better in a lot of places. But um, I just like how steady everybody's been and how locked in everybody's been to still trying to achieve our goal. Talk to me about about RT, about Rodney Terry. You know, he's he's been kind of thrust into this interim role. It's it's not easy to be go from being the assistant and being being one of the guys like maybe the 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 good cop to the head coach's bad cop to all of a sudden being the guy running the show, right? What what changes have you seen with him and why is it why is it worked with him just moving over a scene? Right. Um, well, first things first, you know, RT's a great coach and we trust him. And we didn't have one of those staffs where, you know, it was just one overpowering voice and and you know, we never heard from the others. So you know, our whole staff is is a, is a hardworking staff. They've always, they've always been involved. We're used to hearing their voices. So um, I would say the first thing is, is just, it wasn't that big of a change in terms of RT's voice or hearing him, you know, speak or anything like that. It Obviously, it's a loss of Coach Beard. But um, in terms of RT, I feel like the fact that, you know, he was already a very involved coach and we trust him and he had a lot to do with the program already, recruited a lot of us and had relationships with us. You know, it was pretty easy just for us to be able to trust him to, you know, kind of slide into this role and for him to lead us. Marcus, you've matured so much in the last year. I remember when I got there last year, you remember you watching film uh, with Beard at that point. And I felt like last year was really difficult for you. You know, you, you changed your role so much. You were changing the system you were playing in probably didn't fit you uh, as well as, as – and I think playing with Tyrese has, has helped you too because it's almost like either one of you now can make plays and, and he takes some of the pressure off you. How different has that been for you in terms of having Tyrese next to you? Uh, no, it's been it's been huge. And we knew it since day one, you know, ever since me and coach and the whole staff were having conversations about, you know, who we wanted to bring in in the summertime. And, you know, once Tyrese's name, obviously, we're super familiar with him, him being in our conference and him winning freshman of the year, being a great player. Um, that was something that we were all on board with. And, you know, everybody, you know, had questions about us playing together. And we never once had those questions. It was just do you want to play with me and do do I want to play with you? And we both said, yeah. And then, you know, from there we hit the ground running. So playing with Reese as well as all the new guys and all the returners as well, it's been amazing. Um, there's been no egos. There's been no any of that. Everybody just wants to see everybody thrive and, and get better and win. And, you know, we're all focused on winning. Marcus, you guys have had every reason to kind of like just, just fold, right? You were down by 17 at TCU, everything you went with, with the, the coaching change, you were down by 11 tonight. And it just feels like the, you, you can't – you can knock you guys down, but you can't keep you guys down, right? You can't knock them out, right? So where where does that come from? Is that just a fight that you guys have? Is that just the the culture that has been bred uh, with this Texas basketball team? Like, what what is it about you that you're always getting up off the mat? You're always getting up. You're always coming back into the fight. Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely a huge part of our culture. You know, we definitely built a culture here. Started it last year and really fostered it through the summer with the guys that came in, but – you know, it really does work because the guys that came in are, are are those type of people anyways. You know, we got tough people on our team. We have fighters on our team. So it didn't take a long time for them to, you know, get adjusted to our culture. They're already guys who would fit right into it. And 
you know, it's something that, you know, we work for, we work through and, and it was preached to us ever since summertime. You know, we went through a lot of things and um, a lot of hardships and went through a lot of work together just so that we know, you know, whenever we're in these situations, you know, we're able to come back and we know we can fight back against anything. And, you know, we're always going to have a fighting chance. Um, we've got to do a better job of not putting ourselves in these positions anymore. But uh, it's definitely a good feeling to know that, you know, we have a resilient team and, you know, we're able to fight. Yeah, you keep uh, digging back from these uh, self-inflicted uh, deficits, which is not what you want to keep doing. But you know what I, I would say? I don't know if you agree with this, but but if this had all happened to you guys a year ago, how do you think you guys would have been able to handle it? Because I feel like you weren't ready a year ago, but now I feel like all you guys have matured. You, Timmy, you've been there for a while. I think it, Dylan Mitchell might be the most mature freshman I've ever been around. Yeah, no, um, I think anytime you're somewhere for, you know, a longer period of time, you get comfortable. So, you know, obviously being somewhere for a few months as opposed to being somewhere for a year and a half, you're going to have a different comfort level. You're going to have a different comfort level with the people that are around you. And we all got along right away. But obviously going through what we went through last year and then, you know, coming back this year, it, it definitely made us a, a, that much stronger. All right, Marcus, last question I got for you. It's Saturday night. You guys just knocked off a rival in Texas Tech. First time you beat him in Austin in four years. Uh, and, you know, you had yourself a nice game. What are we what, – what's what's the plan side? We hitting Sixth Street? What are we doing tonight? Where are we going? Yeah, it's, it's, it's some ice, some Norma Tech, and, and we're watching film on Iowa State. we got a quick time <laughs> on. we got to get the aims. And, and they're a very good basketball team playing at a high level right now. So, you know, we got to lock in on them and, and make sure we get it done on the road. There you go. That's this a good a answer. Veteran. This is a veteran, Rob. You're, you're, <laughs> you know, freshman Marcus Carr Pittsburgh. Who knows what he might have done, <laughs> right, Marcus? Yeah, no, I'm I'm the old guy now. <laughs> exactly. You got to set the good example for the young guys, right? Course, Stay sure. in, don't go out. None of that. Listen, uh, congrats. Hopefully, uh, we'll get a chance to see you again soon. But uh, man, you look good tonight, and and uh, you guys again with a lot of distractions, with a lot of adversity. Uh, you guys have really, really kind of uh, come up big here. So congrats and keep it going. Thank you, guys. You got Take it. care, Marcus. Thanks, man. That was uh, Marcus Carr. I'm going to say All-American on uh, on Texas. He's averaging uh, 18 points, four assists for a top 10 team that is sitting there at 15-2 overall, 4-1 and one in the Big 12. It's hard to argue with those numbers, with that stat line, and uh, with the performance that he has had. So far this season. All right, Jeff, it's time for us to finish this conversation about Kentucky. I don't know where we kind of cut it off. So I'll just I'll just say this. Kentucky goes on the road. They beat the team that was number two in Kempom, the number one Kempom defense in college basketball. Um, it was as much of a statement win as you are going to find in college basketball based off of, uh, you know, all of the, the narratives and all of the discussion and everything that was going on heading into this. Tennessee was rolling. They looked as good as anybody in college hoops. Kentucky looked, as, frankly, as bad as anybody college, in college hoops coming into this game. So your biggest takeaway from Kentucky's win? Uh, my biggest takeaway from Kentucky's win might honestly be that it's best to have Severe Wheeler coming off the bench. And I've been saying this all year. You know this. My whole thing all season has been the spacing on this team. You need more shooters. You know, we've talked also about the the, the system or lack thereof that, that mm -hmm. Calipari's run. Um, but again, I think part of it is the personnel too. And when you have a five-man who can't step out, a four-man who can't step out, and a point guard 
who's not really much of a shooter. He, he's made a few here and there, but that's not his game. You just can't do that in this day and age. So, you know, C.J. Frederick got his confidence up. Um, he needed to make him. Antonio Reeves made him tonight. And that just makes life easier for everybody. And you know what they did? They rebounded the hell out of the ball tonight. That's mm-hmm. what today. They played tough as shit. After going down 8 nothing, like you said at the outset, you thought they were dead and buried. Now, I did too. I was on the phone with somebody, and I was almost like it was a coach, and I was almost like, you know what? I should get off the phone to watch this game, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, this thing could be over in like by the under 12 at this point. That's what we all thought. And uh, I, I just I was really impressed with, again, how tough they were. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, that, that really stood out to me as well because... They they kind of they folded at Alabama. Let's just call it what it yeah, is, right? Yeah. That it was the first time that ever I'd ever seen a Kentucky team just kind of roll over and let another team do what they did. Um, and it was nice to see them get down and fight back and claw back and keep keep scrapping and keep yeah. with the intensity. Um, to your point, Severe Wheeler. I, I I said this at the start that it may have been a blessing in disguise that he wasn't able to play. I got some stats. From our guy, Evan Miyakawa at evanmia.com. It's uh, M-I-Y-A, Evan, M-I-Y-A.com. The lineup, Kaysen Wallace, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, and Oscar Shibwe had 20 possessions heading into the night. He'd only played that lineup 20 possessions for the whole season. The, the the adjusted offensive uh the, the the adjusted efficiency margin for that possession for that lineup in those 20 possessions was 107.8 which is so high that like for 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 non-stat nerds like that's saying like a dude averaged 300 points a game that's how high that number is it's an insane number today in this game when that team when that lineup was on the floor that five Amazing. they outscored Tennessee 29 to 14. All other lineups that that Coach Cal ran out there today lost to Tennessee 42-34. to C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves combined for 31 points, 5 for 15 from 3. But the biggest thing is they did not get exposed on the defensive end of the floor. And and it's just – I know that Kentucky fans have been calling for that that specific lineup, right? I know that we have been calling for that specific lineup. And they did all – here's the craziest part to me is they did all of that. They had that much success. Jacob Toppin looked like a guy that was banged up. Keeson Wallace, when he was out there, he looked like he me. Look right. 
Like his back, like you could tell that dude was in pain. Anybody that's that's thrown out their back or anyone that's had back spasms know how knows how hard it is to just kind of move when you have that back pain. And that's what Casein Wallace looked like when he was walking out there. I got and him all the fought. time from carrying your ass. Yeah, back like pain just it, man. Time. You I, I just I cannot I cannot say enough about how tough that dude was in their play. And he got a and he had a bloody lip for good measure. But like what yeah. what a win for Kentucky. So are you where do you stand on them in terms of um, kind of like SEC standings at this point, right? Like, I think in a vacuum, when you look at the talent on that roster, it, it's on. There's a reason why we picked them. Everybody had them top five heading into the season. It was a mess for like the last month, but yeah. we we've seen them kind of figure some things out. So, like, where where are you on this group moving forward? What do you think I mean, of them long term? Okay, this is easy to me. They should be the second best team in the SEC. They should be. Okay, like to me, I, I know people are Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. I get they beat Kansas. But if you look at it, the numbers were the numbers for Tennessee because they were blowing everybody out. They were blowing out shitty teams. They were, they had a, they, the start of their SEC slate was Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Vandy route. And they were beating the hell out of. Yeah, hey, don't Florida slander. Vandy just put up 63 points and a half on Arkansas. Don't don't you dare slander Vandy. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, listen, Arkansas isn't what Arkansas is with Nick Smith and Trevor Brazil. Mm-hmm. We know that, right? We know that. They're a shell of – they're three and three or four and four without those guys. Um, you know, Tennessee's good. Auburn's okay, right? Florida's okay. Missouri, we're going to see that Missouri is going to come down to earth a little bit here. Uh, LSU stinks. Ole Miss isn't very good. Like, let's face it, Kentucky should be the second best team in this league when they get their act together. And this will give them some momentum to at least get back to kind of feeling good about themselves. And to me, again, if you're Cal, don't screw up a good thing here. Don't. Don't rush Severe Wheeler back. And when he does come back, Bring them off the bench as long as this team doesn't get crushed defensively. That's the one thing, obviously, you worry about with throwing CJ and Reeves and Kaysen out there together, the three of them. But if you got Oscar and Toppin, you know, I I, I disagree right. with that a little bit, right? In the sense that Kaysen will be able to guard like the the other team's best player. He'll be able to take away. Yes. Uh, Jacob Toppin is athletic enough that he can guard whoever the second best player is, whether it's a one, two, three, like whoever it is. He the can problem two, is they don't have four. a rim protector to, to make up for oh, any I know. perimeter and, mistakes. Yes. That's and, and, and Oscar is, um, I, I don't know if he's, he's still coming back. I don't know if he he's was better up. today. He was uh, now they missed a hundred layups around the rim. So yeah, maybe like he wasn't they, yeah, better. Right. It uh, wasn't. Yeah. He they still got there. They and still got that's there also not a team that normally thrives in pick and rolls right and the biggest issue with oscar is is the pick and rolls um and wow jacksonville came all the way back sorry the the nfl playoffs are always going to be they NFL win? playoffs yeah they just won game winning field goal they were Unbel- unbel- unbelievable trevor lawrence shout out to trevor lawrence um yes I, I i i agree with what you're saying there um and it's definitely a concern but i think that that lineup is good enough like i'm not you gotta go with it what are you gonna lose what do you lose right now? It worked today. It worked in yes, in exactly. And hopefully, hopefully, Cal will see that and say, "Okay, I'm bought in. I think this is good." And if you know he what doesn't, else? They'll, they'll run. Is that like he has no choice now? To me, mm-hmm. he, 
I think you have no choice but to bring Severe Wheeler when he comes back from the show. You have to. You, I mean, you have to at this point. Right. Right. Um, you know what I was I was really impressed with after the game is how much guys like Jacob Toppin and CJ Frederick like stood up for their coach in the postgame press conferences and how much they were like, we've we've kind of like heard what people are saying. Like we know, we know what the narrative is, and we wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be a thing. Like I was after watching the first probably 37 minutes of the South Carolina game and watching the Alabama game, I was really worried that Cal had lost that locker room. Like there, there was, yeah. there was an effort level there sure. that you would not expect like that, that would make you kind of say like, okay, that is a team that has tuned out what they're hearing yep. from the sideline. And this was a, this was a big win, Rob, because you only have a certain amount of resume wins left on, on the plate, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You only had a few. And, and if you didn't get this one, okay. Coming up, you got Georgia and, and Texas A&M at home and then at Vandy. So those three games, you win them. Everybody's going to be like, who cares? Really? You're I supposed mean, to win them. Look, honestly, though, like though, that's those are the three best games that you could have coming up right now because it's a chance right to now get because right. you won. Yes, you won. And now figure things today. out. If you had lost today, what I'm saying is there was nothing there for the next three games to be able to show, you know, how much better you were getting. It was like that mm -hmm. LSU win. Right. Everybody got all excited. And I'm sitting there like, I, I get it. Like, they barely beat LSU at home, though. Like, who, who, that's nothing. You know, the next one you had was really at home against Kansas here, which is, you know, three weeks away uh, or two weeks away, two weeks away from today. So you would have to wait two more weeks for another resume win. Now you have it. Now you start to win these three games. And now people start to, to pay attention a little bit and give you a little bit more credibility and respect. If you didn't win this one, you go into that Kansas game, and that's your Super Bowl. Yeah, it's close. It's, it's as close to a must-win as you can get at this point of the right. season for yep. uh, the University of Kentucky. All right, let's let's move on. Um, I, you know, let's let's. You mentioned Arkansas. Let's stay on Arkansas really quick. We let's stay in the SEC really quick because they've now lost three of their last four. They're still eighteen in the net. They still have a win over San Diego State and a win over Oklahoma on neutrals, which are still quad one wins. And they're four and five against the top two quadrants. Their losses at LSU and today at Vanderbilt are not. Uh, they're not killers. Both of those teams are are going to be quad two losses. They're borderline top one hundred in the net. But this Arkansas team is one nineteen on Bart Torvik since Christmas. They've been really really bad over the course of the last three weeks. But Jeff, this is what. Arkansas does in 2020-21 Arkansas lost to Missouri Tennessee LSU and Alabama in a 14-day stretch they lost four out of five games they ended the season winning 11 of their last 12 reached the elite eight in 2021-22 last season they lost to get this Oklahoma Hofstra Mississippi State Vanderbilt and Texas A&M in a six-game stretch after that they won 13 of their last 15 regular season games and again made the elite eight so I ask you, is this just another Arkansas mid-January swoon and they're going to turn things around? Or is this team without Nick Smith, without Trevon Brazil, without Jordan Walsh, who was benched today, is this team just not talented enough to do the job they need to do? It's all about Nick Smith and if he comes back. And, and he's done for the next two weeks. So, you know, that's already been uh, said publicly by Eric Musselman that he does not expect Nick Smith to come back. Uh, before the end of January. Well, you, you've got a game that you and I will be at next week at Missouri. That's mm -hmm. their next game. 
Then at least they get Ole Miss and LSU at home. Uh, Baylor on the road. Can you go three and one? I mean, you kind of need to at this point. Because if you go two and two, it just puts a lot of pressure on you, even if you get Nick Smith back in February, which we're not sure. Again, my sources say if he's 100% and his knee is completely healthy, he will come back in February. But again, you know, if there's anything in that knee, there's no way they're going to let him come back and, and jeopardize his draft stock. And frankly, they don't have enough. They just don't have enough. They don't have enough shooting. Um, they're a poor shooting team. And, and we've seen that kind of over and over and over. Today, they actually shot it okay from three. Um, but there's too much on Ricky Council to have to do everything uh, and score because, you know, frankly, you know, Anthony Black, that's not him. We well, the, the, the biggest on. issue is, is you kind of nullify all of the stuff that Anthony Black does well when you don't have any shooting and don't have any floor spacing. Because his whole thing is drive in, yep. draw the defense, yeah. kick the ball out, find guys, create closeouts, create open shots. When you don't have guys that can make shots, like and everyone's just there in the middle, well, he drives in and he's throwing it out to people that go right to the rim. Or he drives in and there's two Mitchell twins right next to like And Jordan Walsh, there's no spacing. It just – I said that – over and over, when I saw Jordan Walsh in, in AAU ball a year and a half ago, everybody was like, you know, some people had him ranked in the top 10. And I'm like, how? Like, I know he's athletic. He's a freak. He plays hard. He's all that. But, like, can't shoot. Can't shoot right now. So, like, you better surround him with four dudes who can shoot. And right now, they don't they, – they don't – they have, like, one well, dude. Well, here's, here's the thing. If you put – if you have Anthony Black out there, right, and you have Trevon Brazil pulling a five-man away from the basket, and you have Nick Smith on the floor that's also spacing the floor. Ricky Council is good enough that you have to kind of pay attention to him, right? And then the one guy that's a non-shooter is Jordan Walsh, who is a rim threat, who is a sure, junkyard dog. Like, yes. all of a sudden, that lineup looks very different than when Ricky Council becomes your best shooter. Then, you, then you're relying on Jordan Walsh to do things that he doesn't necessarily thrive at doing. And that's – it's just – when you lose your two best shooters – it's just, you lost not, two. You lost two potential tough. lottery picks. Yeah, it's just tough. Who's, like there's, there's very little. To, like Muss is a really good coach, mm -hmm. but I don't know any coach who's going to be able to deal with losing two lottery picks in the middle of the season, once the season has started, and be able to figure this thing out. I, I think they're a fringe tournament team. They're, right now, they're not because they're 18th in the net and they still have two quad one wins and they're four and five against the top two quadrants. The question is. They got Missouri. They're at Missouri. Then they get yep. Ole Miss at home. Then they get LSU at home. If they play the, if they defend the way they did against Vanderbilt today, they got no shot. They gave up one point seven eight points per possession in the second half today. That's that's basically you're giving up a bucket every single possession. Three out of four possessions Vanderbilt scored. They they didn't get any stops. And if you do that against Missouri and Ole Miss and LSU, then all of a sudden you are the get right game. You're the get right I mean, game from be Missouri. Eight and seven, the rest of the way, right? to be nine and 11 in the league. Well, it, it depends. It de so they get Baylor on the road. I think that is a winnable game for them. They play Kentucky on the road uh, after that. Then they get Alabama on the road, Tennessee on the road, Kentucky at home to close out the season. So the good news is if Nick Smith does come back in February, then you, you play four, your four of your biggest games are with him back and your three biggest games are when he's back in shape. But I think you kind of have to get him back. That's the big red flag. So you mentioned that Arkansas can't shoot. They're shooting 29.1% from three this season. That ranks 337th nationally. 
TCU, who we saw beat up on Kansas State today, who has looked at times like maybe the best team in the Big 12, is 343rd in three-point shooting percentage this season. They are 28.8% on the year. I went and did the research, Jeff. Go ahead. What do you got? There have been – there's been one team since 2013 that would have been an at-large bid shooting less than 30% from three on the season. That was West Virginia in 2020 when the tournament was canceled. They would have been like a six or a seven seed, right? Last season, TCU shot 30.2% from three. The last team that shot under 30% from three and was was an at-large bid was Marquette in 2013. They were a three seed. They shot 29.6% from beyond the arc. I want to transition this conversation to TCU because Mike Miles is an absolute stud. Emmanuel Miller is so much better than I realized that he was going to end up being. I think that when you put those four perimeter players with Micah Peavy out there, uh, with Damian Ba out there, all of a sudden you have four really long, athletic, switchable dudes around the big fella. um, And they are a really, really, really good defensive team. They are absolutely elite in transition. They are way more entertaining to watch than I realized that they would be. But... They cannot shoot. They shot 15% from three today. I just, can you buy into a TCU team that is not making shots from beyond the arc? I just can't do it. I mean, yeah, I can buy into them making the NCAA tournament. They're going to make the tournament. They might win a game or two, but they're not going deep in the tournament because, you you know, some teams you're looking at and you're like, all right, they're going to have that one game where they're going to be off. Mm -hmm. These guys are going to have multiple games where they're, they're not going to make shots from three. Like, that's going to be the norm, not the exception. So I just don't know how they can advance deep in the tournament when you're you're basing whatever you do on, on honestly, grinding it out every game, uh, winning games in the, in the 50s and 60s primarily, and winning games with twos when other teams are going to catch fire on you and make threes. The, the, the one thing I will say about it is that I think Jamie Dixon embracing – transition and just saying like look you get it just run i don't care what happens we're going to try to force turnovers we're going to try to run we're going to try to get in transition and we're going to try to eliminate the struggles that we have in the half court with spacing i think that that's what you had to do and they have the the pieces to be able to do it and the 2020 west virginia team was kind of a similar team they struggled to shoot the ball but they got out and pressed they got on transition they made a they 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 kind of made their um made their money that way. So I do think that that's a good thing. How where does you mentioned Iowa State? We talked about Texas a little bit. Kansas has won three straight home games where they were down late and found a way to win. Kansas State has looked great. Uh, Baylor got a really impressive win today at home against Oklahoma State. I, I think at this point there's a clear cut top six in the Big Twelve. Like there's a lot of really good teams and all of them are going to have great computer numbers. But well, it's your Kansas. Bottom, all right, so you're you're. Your bottom four. West Virginia is obviously at the very bottom. West Virginia and Texas Tech to me are at the bottom. Oklahoma see, I think State. Texas Tech from here on out will not be at the bottom. We'll we'll see what Fardaws ends up being when he's back because he looked extremely rusty today, but it makes sense. Well, of course, he's going to be rusty. He didn't even think he'd be, you know, back there. No, no, no. I get. I'm not. I'm. I, it's right. there's a very much a reason why he's rusty, but right. I, I need to see him be far at all is that he will average in 19 and four. Like I just, well, I need to see be before I buy but, into that. But you could see flashes tonight. His first game back, not playing with that team and being, being out the whole season. 
that actually I thought he was impressive. Yeah. Well, they're ten and seven overall. They're zero and five in the Big Twelve, so they have a lot of ground they they're need not to, gonna, to be able to get a chance to be a at large bid. But it, all that said, my my top six: Kansas, yep. Texas, yep. Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor. Let's let's ignore for a second the race for a Big Twelve regular season title. If you got to yep. hit your wagon to one of those teams nice. making a run in March, and obviously it's probably Kansas because of Bill Self. All right, but probably. is there anyone else that you think is in the same conversation? Is there anyone else that you're like, you know what? Like, they're I'm really impressed with them. I think they can make a run. Um, I mean, you know, here's. I guess I would say Baylor still, but I don't, their bigs just scare the hell out of me right now. Like they're getting nothing out of their fours. Their fives can't score. You know, I don't know if Jonathan Chamuachachu is going to come back. Um, I think he's close. I think he's close, but I'm just not sure if he's ready. Um, it's going to be, to be if he come comes back, back it's going to be really like uh, his whole thing is athleticism right. and there's just right. no possible way that you can come back and you can from what the injury he had and be the athlete that you were like this so that would be my concern but he doesn't have to give him like to me he can give you 12 minutes and and, and you mm-hmm. can be happy with that if he plays that that hard you know I, but it, it's clearly kansas and i just i love baylor's perimeter trio right like those three dudes flagler Pryor and, and Keontae George, I'll match up against just about anybody in the country if Keontae's playing his game and, and, and making shots. Yeah, I like Texas. You know, I, do I trust them completely? No, I, I think it's Kansas and then everybody else. And the funny part is, like, you and I are seeing Kansas at Kansas State Tuesday. It's going to be like for the game, game I've been looking forward to more than any I've been to in a long time just because – I've never been to a game. I've never been to that rivalry, period. The Octagon of Doom, baby. The Octagon yeah, of Doom. Been, I've never been to a game at Kansas State in Manhattan. So uh, I'm dying to watch that one. Again, Tang's done such a good job there, but I'm not sure. They're, every one of these teams has their warts, even Kansas, right? Like Kansas still has, has its warts. We don't know if they could score at a high clip if you take away Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick as a, you know, a really poor game shooting the ball. Um, I just like Baylor's perimeter trio as that second. And I, as much as anything, I trust who Bill self and Scott Drew. Those are the two. If it's close, I'm going to take the coaches. Those are the two coaches I trust. Yeah. I think we've seen the adjustment, right? We've seen the pivot for Bill self at Kansas, the KJ Adams, finding a way to make him really effective. KJ has been unbelievable. He has two game winning shots, um, in the last, he had the game when it was Texas to at Texas Tech and then home for Iowa State. So he's had a couple game winners um, of late. No, it was Oklahoma State at home. So he's had a couple really big shots, game winners, clutch buckets. Uh, I, I'm i in on Kansas. Um, I think they're really dangerous. Uh, I, I, I cannot shake the idea that anytime Kansas State is on the floor, there's a very real chance they have the two best players on the floor. And Keontae yeah. Johnson and Marquise Noel. Yeah. And if Marquise Noel gets going, like that dude, he could put up Trey Young, John Morant numbers. Keontae Johnson, you can make a pretty strong argument, has been the Big 12 player of the year to date. Totally. Yeah, very strong argument. I just don't so, know if they have enough around them. And, and you know. Mm-hmm. That's the concern. It's the it's the depth, right? It's the balance. Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, I mean, you know, the uh, again, like 
those guys have won national titles too as coaches, as head coaches. Tang hasn't. Tang's a half a year into his head coaching career. I love Jerome Tang, but he's not <laughs> Scott Drew, who's done it for 20 years, or Bill Self, who's done it for 30 years and won, you know, Bill's won multiple titles and Scott's won one. All right, I got one for you. Would you rather be at Madison Square Garden for the Big East semifinals and finals if you could guarantee that Providence, Marquette, uh, Xavier, and UConn make it to the semifinals. Providence, or, Marquette, Xavier, and UConn, yeah. Yeah, or would you rather go to the Big 12 tournament if you could guarantee in the semifinals that it would be Kansas, Texas, Kansas State, and whoever else you want to be there? If you could, uh, Baylor. basically, Baylor. if you could. And Baylor. And Baylor, yeah. If you could guarantee it would be those four teams. Where would you I'll, rather be? I'll take I'll take the is the Big Twelve in Kansas City again? Yes. Yeah, I'll go there for the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a fan. You're not a fan you of the Brother Jimmy's. Brother Jimmy's right across the street from Madison Square Garden. Yeah, Brother Jimmy's ain't it. Yeah, it I know. ain't Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, it it absolutely is not. Um I'll go. Listen, I'll do one better. I'll do one better for you. I will I don't go. Think you will. I will go to um, Vegas again and do my uh, trio stadium swim, but this time I'm going to wear shorts. Um, then I'm going to go to the Pac-12 title game, the Mountain West title game, and I might go to WCC. Pac-12 title game. All right, you know, that's a perfect transition. Let's talk about the Pac-12 because your Arizona Wildcats, yes. they got smacked, smacked yeah. at yeah. Oregon today. They lost, I think they lost by 19. It was the final. They gave up 87 points. They have been, according to Torvik, since December 30th, the 85th best team in college basketball. Offensively, since December 30th, they've been the 119th most efficient team in college basketball. Uh, as of New Year's Eve, they led the nation in two-point field goal percentage. In four of their last five games, they have shot under 40% on two-point field goals. I think they've kind of been found out. I think teams have basically said, look, we are not going to allow you to get in transition. We're not going to allow Zulus Tubelis to beat us down the floor. And we are just going to pack the lane. And if Kirk Creesa and Pella Larson and Courtney Ramos, Ramey beat us, like it, it's going to be what it's going to be. But we're not going to let Azulis Tubelis beat us on, on quick little layups. And we're not going to let Umar Balo go one-on-one -on -one of the post and beat us there. I think they've kind of been found out. Are you worried about them at all? Found out. I don't know if they've been found out. I mean, they lost to a, a really like Dana Altman with actual guards. I mean, like, like honestly, his second best perimeter player. It was like, oh, okay. Look, I can I can maybe last. write off today's loss, but they struggled mightily with Washington. Washington they got smacked by Washington State, yeah. and they really like did not play all that well against Arizona State. The only solid they performance well for for most of arizona state the only solid performance they've had in the like since the in the last five games in the pac-12 was against oregon state when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply 
Listen, all I'll say is when you look at their personnel still, I, I, I think Tommy Lloyd had some things he had to figure out with his team, right? I mean, obviously their strength is up front, two bigs. My, my bigger concern all year has been playing those two bigs together is not like playing Tubelis and Coloco last year. That was my bigger thing. My bigger thing was always going to be the versatility on the defensive end yep. and playing these two bigs and being exposed ultimately. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I think offensively, I mean, again, yeah, you're playing two bigs that neither one can, can stretch it. kind of like Kentucky, right? Now, if you've got three guys making shots around him, Courtney Ramey, remember when he came out of that suspension, he was on fire. Like he, he couldn't, he was shooting like 50% through his first six or seven games. Uh, after he was reinstated from his NCAA suspension, Kirk Creasy was playing very well early. Um, Pella Larson just hasn't given him enough. He just hasn't. He He's honestly too passive in a way. He needs to be a little bit uh, more selfish. But, you know, their three guards haven't done what they did early, and they need to. They But, but Oregon also tonight, they finally have the guards back. Like Dane Altman, again, Kuznar was great. It takes so much pressure off Will Richardson. The Folly Dante was a beast tonight, all over the court. Did you see his quote after the game? No. So he was someone asked him about the dunk on Kirk Carissa, and he yeah. was like, "It's always nice when you can dunk on somebody you don't like." It's like that, that, <laughs> he goes, he goes, he goes. That dude, I don't have the exact. I'm I'm paraphrasing here, okay? So I I don't have the exact quote. So please don't yell at me if this isn't quoted perfectly. But he basically said, um, "That dude." That dude runs his mouth. He's always calling us names, so it was nice to dunk on him. <laughs> I, I just wonder, like, does Curry talk trash in in English or not? What do we think? Or in I don't know. Does language? he? Uh, does he? Is is, is Estonian? What, is, what what what's the language in Estonia? Do you know? Is it a, probably Estonian? Is it Estonian? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to make myself look bad. <laughs> <What's> the, what, <laughs> I don't. I didn't want to go there because. Hey guys, what's kid. what's the language in Spain? Yeah, it's Spanish. Well, that yes, but Estonia, I don't know. <laughs> this could I, look real bad for you, Goodman here. Yeah, it could. It, it, it could. is. It is. It is Estonian. All right. Hey, Carl. I'm sorry. Oh I'm sorry. my I'm gosh. Um, Estonian for you. So let me ask you this: Is Arizona actually the best team? No, Arizona. Oh, in, in Arizona, I thought you were going to say in the Pac-12. No, are they the best team in Arizona? Arizona State six and one. Yes. They were down the like they there. were down like twenty at Oregon State today and found a way to win. They went into Oregon. This team with all of these great guards and Jermaine Cusnard and and all these guys that Goodman has been hyping up for this entire show. They beat him by twenty. They did, but but Dane is still trying to figure out. Like he's just getting those dudes back. So like it's going to take a little while before they're consistent because he had two guards that. Number one, they're both transfers. Number two, they haven't played all year. So, mm-hmm. like, they're going to be up and down. I don't know how the tournament, the, the selection com- committee would judge Oregon. Not that I think they'll be put in a position where they need to be judged. They'd have to go on a crazy run here, which I think will be difficult to do. But I, I just wish I had seen, like, to me, I have the ultimate respect for Dane Altman, the coach. And if you gave him those two guards, I think you saw tonight what they're capable of doing, which is certainly finishing in the top three in the, in the pack 12. Well, look, if you get this? to, if you get to, let's say that they lose three games the rest of the season, right? Which will yeah. get, it'll get you to 21 and 10. It'll get you to 12 and uh, 14 and six in the pack 12. And let's just assume that you win 
Uh, you beat USC and UCLA at home, and you get a win at Arizona, right? You get all those big wins in the Pac-12. I think you got a decent argument. Um, if you can kind of say, like, but it, it, one, it will depend on Cusnard. Like, if he goes nuts the rest of the year. Right, he's got to right? be great. Yeah. And, and two, you have to, like, you have to have definitive wins. Like, you got to be, you got to do what you did to Arizona and make it, you, it, it's almost, it becomes like an eye test thing yes. as yes. much as anything else with them. How about this, by the way, on your Arizona State uh, deal? Can I read you a couple numbers? One, I, I tweeted earlier. They're 22 and five, their last 27 games, number one, which is friggin' amazing. Number two, they have 31 two possession wins in the past four seasons. That's the most in the country. They're seven and one this year. In two possession games, so two under possession six, games, You're six right. or fewer. Thirty one in the past four years, pretty good. But, I mean, that yeah, good for them. Something about Bobby Hurley being able to win close games, and he, he he's done a good job flipping this team. You know, he needed to obviously. He had no choice this year, uh, but I, I think too many people. You know, again, I, I think what we learned a little bit here is like there are some coaches that are 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 more prone to being able to coach the non-top 25 type kid. And, and Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley, I don't want to say they're like silver spoon kids, but they're kids that, again, we're told how good they were. Bobby's going to coach them up. Like, he's going to really coach them up. And those kids might not, not do as well with Bobby as the kids that, that again, are a little bit under-recruited or second chance or bounce back or whatever you want to call them. I think Bobby does his best work with, with those type of kids. Mm -hmm. um, so did you get that stat from Doug tomorrow? I'm a little bit upset that he did not text me those stats as well. I love stats, Doug. Don't, I cannot. You, I cannot. Don't, don't just text them to Goodman. Text them to me too. I want stats. I love stats. I love, I love stats and facts. Hit me with them. I'm not afraid. Any SID out there, hit me with any stats and facts you guys got. Here's a stat for you, Goodman. Do you know who has the longest win streak in America as of this very moment? 13 games. Well, it's, no, but there's a team with longer, right? Charleston. Yeah, I believe it's maybe it might just be high major teams then. Might be high major teams. UCLA, 13 straight wins. They are undefeated Don't in the Pac-12. disrespect our city. You're disrespecting our city here in Charleston. No, I'm disrespecting you. UCLA, <laughs> 13 straight wins. Okay. Where do you stand on this team? I, I, thought, I thought the fact that they played horrifically for about 32 minutes tonight and still found a way to cover, they found a way to cover, despite the fact that they were down by nine with nine minutes left in this game. Well, uh, UCLA is really good, man. They can really, really guard. You're, you look, you hyped them up before the season. I did. And early on, I was not, I, I was like, eh, I think Goodman might have been buying into the hype on this one. Adam Bona, that dude is in a rate. He's had some unbelievable blocks. I love that guy. And he'll get better. Like he's still halfway into his freshman. He's still got a long way to go and a lot to learn. Uh, but physically, like, He's so talented and plays so hard. And obviously, you've got you, you've got Hakez and, and Tiger, and, and you know what you. And even with David Singleton, you know what you get, right? Those three. Mm -hmm. Jalen Clark's been the biggest surprise. He's been awesome this year for the most part. We knew what he could do defensively, but he's turned into that third guy, offensively. And Amari Bailey's been hurt, so they've been without him. And 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 again, 
listen, I know it's Colorado. I know it's Colorado at home. I get all that. They should have blown them out. They didn't. But <laughs> Tad me, Boyle's a hell of a coach, man. Like, I, I will never judge anybody. Like, Craig Smith, yeah, Tad Boyle, yeah. you struggle with those guys. Like, it's because they're fucking smart. They're great coaches that have great game plans and know what they're doing, right? Kyle Smith, too. Like, you struggle with Washington yeah. State. Like, I – I'm never going to judge anyone for struggling with Washington State because those are, they, they're really sharp coaches. Um, I'm still – I still think that Amari Bailey is the is the difference maker for this group in the sense that he's the one guy that can go get you one when you need one. Like what – I think a big thing for today has been teams that don't have a guy that can go get you one when you need one can right. struggle a little bit. And, like, I love Jaime Hawkins. He was unbelievable today. He had, like, 21-15 – five blocks and four steals. He's a fantastic basketball player. I don't think you want him to be the only guy that can get you a bucket. Like, I well, think Tiger's he's at his be best. One of them. Tiger's yes. got to be one of them. But even Tiger's more of a, like a kind of a set the table, make things are running, make sure things are running smoothly. Like Amari Bailey in a vacuum is the guy that kind of fills the Johnny Juzang void. They're not, a t- they're not that team, period, Rob. They're, they're the no, team. No, I, I get it. I get it. But I think that. You're a very good team right now if you're UCLA. I think when you add Amari Bailey as a guy that can get you 12 to 14 points a night in a game when you need him, where you can kind of isolate him and say, go get one. He's a shot maker. He's going to space the floor. I think that's what takes them from being like really good to being like, okay, we need to have a conversation about whether or not UCLA is a national title contender. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I just feel like their their strength isn't like, all right, we're gonna give it to a dude, just go make a play. Like that's not that's not what they do. That's not but sometimes you need that. Like sometimes I, you I'm just need saying, someone that can get listen, you one. But but like you said, there are a lot of teams that don't have that, right? Like it's why, honestly, if you told me right now, pick a team that's kind of out of the radar that you think can win the whole thing and win six games. Are you gonna you gonna come up with the same team I am? Well, it's uh, yeah, it's UCLA. No, I'm, I'm going Xavier. I'm going Xavier. Why? Because they have two guards that you can give the ball to and say, "Hey, go make a play." And they're 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 both kind of strong enough. Like Sule Boom's not like big and strong, but like he can finish. He can finish around the hoop. He's slithery. Kobe Jones is is big and strong enough, and he can score from all three. Both those guys can score from all three levels, and they can make their teammates better. I'm not saying I'm picking Xavier to to win it all or go to the final four. I'm not necessarily. I'm saying they have two guards that you can give the ball to and say, "Hey, go make a play." And there aren't a lot of guys like that's what you're saying. You're saying yeah, here's here's my biggest concern. Like with, here's my biggest concern with Xavier. Uh, in the Ken Palm era, since 2002, can you name the lowest ranked defense before the tournament started? The team that was ranked the lowest defensively and adjusted adjusted defensive efficiency margin. Um, to win the national title, I'll 40. give you a hint. What is it? Forty. Their best. Their best player has been on the show about five times this year. Best player has been on the show five times. I don't know who. who Two thousand and nine, North Carolina. They no, entered the tournament ranked thirty ninth defensively. The second worst defense entering the tournament was Duke in two thousand and fifteen. They ranked thirty seventh in defensive efficiency, adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Xavier right now is 94th. Like that is just, that's, that's my one big concern is I don't know if they're going to be able to get enough stops, but I, what everything you're saying about Suli boom and Colby Jones 
and and kind of this just might might be an outlier year too. Like we're comparing. It, it probably to will be, man. Years. It probably will be. You know, like don't you feel like this is just one of those years again? You're in that 2009 year. You just had these dominant, dominant teams, and we just don't have anything close to that right now. Mm-hmm. Except maybe Houston. That's maybe another conversation for we'll another see. day. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk I mean, about possibly. I'm not. I'm not going to fight you on that, but I also don't think we're going to have any idea because the AAC stinks. Yeah. No, I, I look. I'm with you. I love Xavier. I think Sean's a very, very, very good coach. It's just I can't. That's that's one. I just. They can't guard. They can't get stops, and I just worry about them well, when they yeah, go up against yeah, another no. really, really good team. You know what? Let's the- let's let's pivot to the Big East real quick because I do want to ask you. Um, Providence went into Creighton today and lost. Okay, in Big East play, um, if you take the top five teams, right? You throw Providence, Marquette, Xavier, UConn, throw Creighton in there. Yeah. Every single time one of those teams has played, the home team has won. It's happened eight times this year, right? So Creighton is four and three, UConn are four and three. Both of them have played three road games against the other top three opponents. The only other team that was involved in any of that, Marquette, lost at Providence in double overtime. How do you see the top of this league shaking out? Like, are you, is Xavier the best team in the conference or they just had home games against the right teams? Is Providence the best team in the conference? They just ended up uh, playing a tough road game against Creighton. Like, is this going to be a year where someone gets to 14 and six? And that's going to be what wins the league. Where do you stand on the Big East? So I think I would stand as Xavier and UConn being 1A and 1B right now. Interesting. And I'm not sure who I'd pick, but but I think those are the two top teams. And I think Providence is going to fall off a bit here. Uh, I think Creighton is going to, you know, you saw it today. I mean, they should win at home against Providence. Uh, but, you know, they lost six straight. And honestly – Kalkbrenner missed three. Two of them were the good teams. I, I forget. One was at Texas. And what was the other one? They lost that Texas. and Home to Nebraska. Team. No, they lost to another good team. And BYU on a neutral. Arizona State on a neutral. Who did they Arizona lose? on a neutral. Arizona. Right. So Arizona and Texas, no shame. The Nebraska one, Kalkbrenner wasn't healthy. It was right before he, he got sick. And then he missed the three games. So, like, I don't know. I feel like out of those four games, let's say you, they would have won two of them. That's my take. With Kalkbrenner, they would have won at least two of them. Um, so instead of being 10 and 8 right now, they're, they're what, 12 and 6? I just – they're scary still. Like, I, the only thing that worries me is they just don't shoot it well. Like, for a Greg McDermott team, I'm watching, and I'm just like, if Shireman's not making threes, they have, like, nobody who you can count on to make threes right now. That – just baffling to me when I watch Creighton. So that scares me a little yeah, bit. Nemhard and Kaluma that we everyone thought that they were going to take a leap as as scorers, and they really had like Kaluma's been really inefficient, and so has Nemhard. Trey Alexander's probably been he was good their today. best guard yeah. this year, right? So it's it, it's I'm I'm worried about them. They basically go five deep though. Like once you start getting to the bench, right. then you can right. start exposing them. Right. And 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 again, Providence is super tough. Like that's the thing that they've gotten. So you know, Xavier, UConn, 1A, 1B. Then I, I still would throw Creighton in that next group with Providence and Marquette. And and to me, those three, the separation is minimal. Am I forgetting anybody? No, but there's there's a guy. I want to give a shout-out to a guy in the chat named Reginald Burton who is 
always fighting the good fight. Anytime we mention a team, he just he he puts a score in the chat. So we mentioned Houston, and he said UConn eighty five, Houston seventy seven. Anytime we mention a team, he says what the score would be if UConn played him. Reginald, I appreciate you fighting the good fight, man. Right, I Reginald. don't think I agree, but yes, I'm right there with you, man. Keep fighting that good Reginald, fight. Um, what, what is the final score if um, if Houston had to play Charleston? Give me the final score. Yeah. Houston would Houston would beat them by 100. by 15 in Charleston and by 25 in Houston. Oh. They just there's a level of physicality that comes with that team, which is why they can just kind of beat up on people. Like you know why? Hey, I figured out why um Charleston might have started slow tonight. Today why? against Elon. Oh, like boy. I walked down the street here, the bar scene is so damn good. I hope they weren't out last night, but man. It's ridiculous here. Ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm okay. You know, Rob. You know, Rob. For the last month or so, we've been, we've been working hard over here for the 16. I'm really glad Goodman's enjoying the bar scene in Charleston. No, I didn't go in. <laughs> I'm too month, old to go you know. in the bars here. They're all like 21, 22, 23. I mean, they're way too young for me. But it's I just came back from dinner, watching games. I was watching games with with some not young people. Yeah. Um. All right. Look, we have to. You're in the state of South Carolina. We have to talk about a team in the state of South Carolina because we, if we didn't talk about this team in the state of South Carolina, Terrence Oglesby would never show up for another show that he was on. Clemson is 7-0 in the ACC. Clemson has a two. If, if you want to hear how fucked up the ACC is right now, Clemson is all alone in first place with a two-game lead over Miami, Wake Forest, Pitt, Syracuse, and Virginia. It's just like amazing. What amazing. what is happening right now? Is this real life? Brad Brunell, baby, on the hot seat. Nobody does better work than Brad. And uh, he won his 400th game today. Congrats. You know, I have been told going to the season that in all likelihood, Brad needed to get to the NCAA tournament to, to get another year. And, uh, man, is he responding, right? 7-0, like you said, best start ever in the ACC. Uh, they've won 11 straight ACC regular season games. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but uh, Ian Shefflin was awesome today. Uh, PJ Hall's been good coming back off that knee injury that Brad wasn't sure if he'd be back. It looked for a while like he would miss the first month of the season. I think he only missed a couple weeks. Uh, Brevin Galloway was good, kind of well-traveled. Brevin Galloway started Charleston, went to BC, now came back home. Uh, closer to home in South Carolina. Um, it, it's been a cool story. And, and they beat a Duke team today that, again, you just look at the ACC. It's funny. We'll, 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 we get, into Duke in a, we'll, we'll yeah. get to Duke in a second. But I want to make a, one quick point on, on, uh, on Clemson. I'm going to read off their next five games. At Wake Forest, Virginia Tech at home, Georgia Tech at home, yep. at Florida State, at BC. They could be looking at a situation where heading into February – they are 12-0 and 0 in the ACC. Then it kind of gets a little bit tough. They play Miami at home. Then they're at North Carolina. Then after that, they get Florida State and Louisville and Syracuse before ending the season with NC State at Virginia and Notre Dame at home. Like, they, th- there's a very real chance that we're looking at a 15-3 and ACC, 15-3 uh, Clemson team in the ACC. Like, they, they have a six of their remaining listen, games listen, in conference if, play are against teams outside the top 100 on Ken Palm. If they go 15 and three in the ACC, 
a night in Houston is on me for the Final Four, okay? Whatever you want to drink, whatever you want to eat, Goodman, it doesn't matter. Goodman, if they Goodman listen, listen. Three, I'm writing that down. Just, just Goodman, listen to this. Listen yeah. to this. Yeah. If they beat Georgia Tech at home, Florida State twice, BC on the road, yep. Louisville on the road, and Notre Dame at home, yep. win those six games. Those are very, very easily winnable games. Sure. That gets them to 13 wins. That means they have to win two of at Wake Forest, Virginia Tech at home, Miami at home, at North Carolina, Syracuse at home, at NC State, at Virginia. Like 15 I'm and just three. I'm telling you, I, I'm just putting it out there. It's on me. Dagan, I'll pay for yours too. How do I don't. Well, first of all, I don't. That was definitely yeah. happening. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second that you'll actually reach for your wallet. You are the new Matt Norlander. I got the um, corporate card. I'm yeah, good. yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, it's it's that's that's one of the greatest stories um, in college basketball right now is is the run that Clemson has been on. What was and Clemson picked? I don't have it in front of me, but it was like probably outside the top ten. Nobody thought this was coming. Oh, yeah, there's no way. T.O. T.O. was the biggest Clemson homer I've ever met in my entire life. Like, probably the only Clemson homer I've ever met in my entire life. And he was like, he was like, yeah, you know, it'd be nice if we make the NCAA tournament. P.J. Hall, he's kind of good. They, they're uh, rolling they over people. It is really good. They were picked 11th. Picked 11th. 11th? Yep. Yeah. Out of Louisville, Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech. Let me ask you this, Goodman. Who is the most dangerous team in the ACC right now? Right. Like, who are you looking at? And you're like, yeah, no, people aren't talking enough about this team. They have a chance to make a run in March. Cause I got one in mind that nobody is talking about that is one, pretty much a tournament team at this point, And two, has all the pieces for what you look for in a team that can make a run. Well, there's only one answer to that because you can't, I mean, you can't answer Carolina, Duke, or Virginia. So it's got to be nope. Miami. It's not Miami. It's a tournament team. Who beat Miami today? Oh, they're not a tournament team. At, as of this very moment, I, they probably are. They are a top 50 team with two quad one wins and a five and four record against the top two quadrants where their air quotes bad losses are to pit at home. They beat Miami. They beat Duke. They won at Virginia Tech. They yeah, have two I mean, I, I really, right really good guards. They've yeah. won the six of their last seven games and their last three wins. They beat Duke at home by 24. They won at Virginia Tech, and they just beat Miami at home in overtime. Like that is that's a that's a good team. That's a good team. Yeah, no, it is a good team. It is a good team, and they've got multiple guys again who can make plays off the bounce, and that 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 kind of helps them. Uh, but the bottom of the league stinks. Let's be honest. Some of those teams at the bottom of the league are uh, really bad. That that's that's the fun part of like a team like Clemson this year. That's why. That's mm-hmm. why they're able to go 7-0, frankly, is because, you know, there, there's just a lot of parity and mediocrity, and that might be being kind in the ACC right now. Yep. Um, all right, Goodman, I know there's a question that you want to you wanna end the show on. So before yeah. we do that, Dagan, are there any good questions from the chat? Is there anything? Yeah, there's some good uh, questions. All right, hit us with yeah. them. Well, you've already answered one. David Bentley wanted to know if Clemson could win the ACC. So that one you already answered. So good job on that. Um, our buddy Ken Palm. Hold on, let me go back and find it. I got to scroll past all the Reginald score predictions um, to find it. Uh, who will be the first Big East team to lose at home out of the top five teams? I'm assuming that means I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know the numbers of all that. Um, but the the teams that we mentioned, the first yeah. Big East team to lose at home. Well, I, I figured that. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to say, so Providence plays Marquette on Wednesday. Xavier plays Marquette at home on Sunday. You know what? I'm going to say Xavier loses on Sunday to Marquette. I think that's a very difficult matchup for a team that has two big guys on the floor. So I'm going to say that Xavier loses at home tomorrow to Marquette. I don't know. I'm not looking at it. I'll let Rob take that one. I'll okay. take the next one. Yeah. All right, now here's here's from Ken Palm again, and I need to ask this one. I'm sure you know where this, this is going. Does Seton Hall become a tournament team with a key win over a top, we'll say a top three team in the Big East? Dang, and why would you? Is that your question? <laughs> That's Ken Palm's question. It's Ken Palm's question. That's your question. It's Ken it's Palm's question. Look at the chat. Of course I had to ask it. <laughs> Come on now. That's Dagan asking his, acting as Ken Palm, Rob. I'll, no, I'll, I will. I will. I will take a picture. Don't I'll waste our it. time again with it. No more Seton Hall questions in 2023. No, no, no. I'm going to keep asking. Them. That's my only. <laughs> nope. My only job. Give We're me out. To get you going. We're out of Seton Hall. Questions. All right, fine. Then final question because there's no more in the chat unless anybody. Oh, here we go. What's the ceiling for Arizona State from JJB? I mean, I think honestly, like for Arizona State, getting the tournament. If you can get to the second weekend, that that's like, and then. If you're Bobby Hurley, can you get like, I don't know, can you take that and get back east and get to like George, get in the mix at Georgetown or if St. John's opens up, which he didn't want four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. Um, would you, could you get St. John's now? I mean, Mike Craig, I don't know if he's ready to make a move after this year on Mike Anderson, but Craig's a Duke guy. Hurley's a Duke guy, last I checked. Um, I don't know. I mean, they need, <laughs> listen, what they do need is some energy. We know that. And, and her St. John's energy. St. John's needs energy. And Georgetown. Both of them do. <laughs> yeah. Both of them do. Desperately. Dagan, what else you got? Uh, which ACC, ACC team can go the furthest in March? I don't know if you kind of, I don't know if you answered that in your little. We have not. That's a great question. ACC. Well, we're going to, we're going to answer something like that coming up. We're, okay, we're then gonna... I'll save it. Okay, then we'll wait. Uh, well, it's it's our it's our question at the end. All right. Mm -hmm. Then Doster, how's the Friartown beer? It's fucking fantastic. Like this is, is a good? very 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 good beer. Yes, it's a delicious really? IPA. It's really good. Who sent it to you? Some random fan. I don't want to. I don't want to say who it is, but his name is Alex, and he's a uh, he's a Providence fan. Because I would say very... if if I got Shout out Alex. something from a Providence fan, you wouldn't. Don't worry. I don't think I drink it. I think I'd be worried. <laughs> yeah, you should be. <laughs> I don't think I drink it. I had Narragansett. I drank it and it's delicious. I had Narragansett tonight. That was good. Really that's good. It's a great. That's there's that's one of the I love like the shitty local beers. You know what I mean? Awesome. Like yeah. Narragansett's great. I love the uh the Natty Bows if you're ever in Baltimore. Natty, it's it's it, the exact same thing as Narragansett. It's just like the shitty, whatever like the shitty local version of a PBR is. Those are my favorite beers to drink. Uh, they can go ahead. Last one. If you had yeah. to pick one team, last one before we get to your your final question. If you had to pick one team right now, the best team in the country, is it Alabama? I mean, one team right now that so like today, not the right. team we're picking to win the no, whole thing right now. Yeah, Alabama is the best team today. Like today, they're the best team right now. Yes. I think Houston would like to have a conversation with you. And I know that Alabama won at Houston. <laughs> and look at their resumes. It's not even close. It's just not even I, close. Trust me, I get it. But Houston, I think Houston is right there. 
They are so tough. It's it's you're not asking me who has the best resume. You're asking me who I think the best team is. And I think that there's a very strong argument that you can make for Houston, but I love Alabama. Like they're just the way that they shoot it. They're so dangerous. Like if they get hot, you're not beating them. But the way that they guard, if they get hot, you're not beating them. And they're probably going to always have the best player on the floor. So I, I want to make sure that we mention Houston because they're number one in everything. But like Alabama is so good, man. They're just and their upside is so high. That's the thing yeah. about them. Their chemistry is good. We know that. Um, and, and I think part of what we would love, why we love Alabama, is because they're so much fun to watch. You know, like they're fun. They're fun to watch. They take dumb shots at times, but like mm-hmm. they're fun. They play up. You know, up and down. Nate plays with emotion and intensity, and his team does too. And I also i i want to I want to say one thing about Nate Oates because he he kind of has this rep for being like a system guy, right? Like we're gonna we're only gonna shoot threes or get layups, and we're only gonna run a transition. We're only gonna do this, and we're only gonna do that. But if you actually like watch what they run, he is very very good at one finding a way to exploit what a defense is doing, running a set to be able to take advantage of that and figuring out ways to kind of take advantage of where there is uh, a mismatch on his end. Like he's, he's exceptional at running the right stuff in the right moment when you should be running that set. And it's just the end of the Carolina game. We don't have to talk. I, I blacked that out. Hopefully you black that out too. <laughs> I think we don't have too. to talk about Other that. Other than the very end. He probably did. Well, you know what? The, it, it, I don't know how mean I want to get here, but that was the moment when uh, when Javon Quinley started letting someone else play for him. It was, it was after the North Carolina game because he took like 30 shots in that game. He did, but he got it out. <laughs> Played a lot of minutes in that game after coming off the yep. injury. All right, hit us with your question. You got one. All right. You've been sitting on this forever. All right, I'm, I'm going to start asking you. You start with the answer. Um, the game is, is buy, hold, and sell, and I'm going to give you three teams. And you have to pick one for each. Can't double dip. One for each. Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky. Who are you buying? Who are you holding? And who are you selling? Because it, it's not easy with these three. So I think the the easy one is the sell. And I would be selling Duke out of those three. Um, the biggest reason why is Jeremy Roach is dealing with like a turf toe injury. And anybody that's had turf toe will understand like how painful that is and how difficult it is to kind of get all the way Have back. You, like, you basically Have need you to sit it? out for like three weeks to, to kind of get all the way back from, from that kind of injury. And without him, if you're just trusting Tyrese Proctor to be like the go-to point guard, he's good early today, but like he, yeah, I mean, he, he has his moments, but he, there's also moments where he looks like a like young 18 year old trying to play in the ACC. Derek Lively is not there yet. Derek Whitehead has had flashes, but he ain't there yet. Um, to me, Duke is the easy sell for a lot of different reasons, but the biggest one is they just I don't trust. I'm going to agree with you there, so we can we can move on to to buy and hold. But I, yes, young team, young coach, no go to guy on the perimeter. So mm-hmm. I'm in 100 percent agreement there. I would sell Duke. Uh, in terms of holding, this is I hard. Would, I would probably hold Kentucky at this point. And the reason I say that is because I do not trust 
John Calipari to see what happened today, to sit there and say, okay, our lineup of Kaysen Wallace, CJ Frederick, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, and Oscar Sheway outscored Tennessee 29 to 14. Okay. Every other lineup we used got beat 42 to 34 today. Okay. This lineup has been one of the single best lineups in all of college basketball, all across the entire country. Our most, the, one of the most efficient lineups that you could find you don't think Cal is will that, do that five. I don't, I, I hope he would. I don't trust him implicitly to say, okay, we're going away from severe Wheeler. Like this is a guy that just wants to play two big guys. Why would it take this long? He was forced into doing, he didn't make this decision. He was forced into not playing severe Wheeler at the point guard spot because severe Wheeler got hurt. So I, the reason why I would hold Kentucky is because I want to see if Cal is going to say, Oh, that worked. Let's lean all the way into what worked playing at Tennessee. That what, what happens today? is going to go down as probably one the, the second-best win in college basketball this entire season. Alabama winning at Houston is the best win in college basketball that you're going to get this year. Kentucky winning at Tennessee is probably going to end up being the second-best win that you get in college basketball this year. Let's see if Cal says, if it worked there, it'll work anywhere. Until he does that, I got to put, the, put a hold on them. And it's not because I just sit here and I love North Carolina, but the other tiebreaker for me is that We've seen North Carolina just kind of figure it out at the end of the year before. Yeah, they've done it. I, man, I can't believe I'm agreeing with you on this, but but I am. I am only because I've I have a little more trust in a Carolina team that, and I don't. I, I'd like to hold both. To be honest, I'd like to hold Carolina and Kentucky because I, I don't feel great about Carolina. But Baycott's a warrior. I mean, he went out there today and. Another double-double, and he wasn't close to 100% with that ankle injury. And R.J. Davis has gotten better. Caleb Love's still and always going to be Caleb Love. He Mm -hmm. is. But you know what? They've proven they can withstand those Caleb Love uh, ups and downs, right? The the ups are like he can win you games. We saw that. The downs are they can still win some games without him making shots and being efficient. So Yeah, the uh, thing about Caleb – yeah, and the thing about Caleb Love is he, the way that he plays, he doesn't realize, like, pressure of the moment. Like, the fact that, oh, you know what? This is the national title game. Well, you know what? I'm in the Final Four, and if I miss this, we're not going to the national title. And this is the kind of game that could end Coach Gay's career. If I make this shot, if I make this step back over Paolo Bancaro, the number one pick in the – like, it doesn't register to him. He's just out there hooping, right? And sometimes that's something that's going to burn you because he's not making shots. But that's also the kind of dude that you want on your roster as long as he kind of understands, like, there's going to be moments where you got to let RJ run the show. And we got to make sure that Armando gets touches. But you want a dude that just does not have a sense of the moment because he's not going to feel the pressure that other guys are going to feel. Like, I just don't – like, I don't think it registers to Caleb that that, the moment that he is playing in. That's a good – that that, that is a good thing to – They're a little less reliant. They're going to be a little less reliant when Pete Nance comes Mm -hmm. back again. They're going to be – you know – Huff's playing more minutes. Leakey's being a little bit better offensively. DeMarco Dunn's playing a little bit. Jalen Washington just started when, when Baycott went down. He got big That three-guard lineup looks good, too, with Seth, Seth Trimble out there with him. Right. That's what I, I just, again, I just trust this team. And I think it probably comes down to I trust R.J. Davis as much as anything. Like, And, and I think Baycott's every bit as good as, as Oscar, and he's better defensively. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean – 
to me, I'll, I'll, I'll go Carolina buying. I don't feel great about buying them right now. But there's only a handful of teams I, I would feel great about buying today. Is there – so let me ask you this then. If you had – if we threw Illinois into that conversation, would you have Illinois above those three? Would you be buying Illinois no, I'd over there? i still them? go Carolina above Illinois, I think, believe it or not. I think I would probably – I think I would buy Illinois. I think I would. Really? Maybe I'm just getting completely blinded. Maybe I'm letting preseason biases creep in. But I think that – I said this last night on the show. I think that losing – not having Sky Clark in the mix is so important because, one, it allows Terrence Shannon to kind of be the lead guy. It allows Coleman Hawkins to be the secondary kind of playmaker and facilitator. And it forces you to take off the five foot eleven point guard that's the defensive liability and not have to worry about giving him minutes. Right. You play Sincere Harris there. You play Jaden Epps there. Yeah. All of a sudden you have guys that are a little bit bigger, a little bit more switchable, a little bit tougher defensively. Sure. And it just kind of I think you have less talent, but the pieces fit together better. I just want a point guard. Rob, I want a point guard. That on my team You got Jaden Epps. You got Jaden Epps and, and Terrence Shannon. He's not really a point guard. He's a Okay, you got you got you got Coleman Hawkins. <laughs> you don't have a point guard. You just don't. You don't have an RJ Davis. Yeah, but okay, you don't have a point guard, but would you rather have Terrence Shannon and Jaden Epps figuring out or Sky Clark out there getting no, embarrassed no, I'm on the defense? I'm comparing it to Carolina. I'm just saying like, Okay, fair enough. You know you know me and how I feel about the point guard position. I'm to get to the final four and have a chance to to win four or six straight. I just don't think Illinois can do it with that with TJ Shannon being the guy who's got to initiate offense. Like that's hard. Hey, look, I think it's time. Just turn the ball over to Coleman Hawkins. It's Coleman Hawkins show. As Robbie would say, <laughs> as, as as the esteemed colleague uh, in my the, – the, Hey, the funniest thing about Coleman is he never has like, hey, you know, he played pretty well. It's either he looks like the second coming of Magic Johnson or he looks like Jeff Goodman is out there trying to play in a Big Ten game. There's no, there's no in-between. He doesn't just play like, oh, yeah, you know, he was okay. It's either he was horrible or he was – you got to take him in the top ten. That's the um, only by the way, before we before we go, we need to do a toast to John Henson tonight because God knows where John is. John, hopefully you're not still <laughs> sitting on the runway. We love you. We miss you tonight. He's on and, the tarmac. Uh, He's on the tarmac in LaGuardia waiting to deplane. He's watching this whole show <laughs> right now. He's probably in there in the chat as Ken Palm. Yeah, what's your – Henson, Texas, what's your burner? <laughs> you know he's got a burner from his NBA days. Yep. Oh, and – uh Last update. According to Reginald Burton, UConn is going to beat Purdue 81 to 60. There you go. You heard it oh, here first. <laughs> you, were, you, you heard it here first. So listen, make sure if you're still listening, check out our merch store, fieldof68.shop. We got a bunch of new designs in there. I'm really impressed with the way that things kind of uh, kind of come together. Um, and also, we will be starting on SiriusXM on Monday Night Live. It'll be Channel 84, College Sports Radio, SiriusXM, College Sports Radio. Uh, I cannot wait for that to get going again. It means that we are in the heart of college basketball season. So for Jeff Goodman, then wait, for wait, wait, our – We also have a, a live show Tuesday night. Big oh, show. yeah, we're going to Kansas State. We'll be in Manhattan, baby. Right. Kansas so State sure will be coming live from the Octagon of Doom. We'll Which is no guess. better. Hopefully. Right. Hopefully. If they win, 
they win, we'll have lots no, of guests. We'll get some guests, whether it's Kansas or Kansas State. We'll get somebody. We'll get Michael Beasley there. Hopefully he shows up. You think these? these Super cool bees, be baby. Uh, listen, for producer Dagan Hughes, for Jeff Goodman, my name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys again tomorrow night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.